0: Good evening, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Well, 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 let's just go jump straight into the State of the Union and the reaction to it. And full disclosure, absolute caveat here, I know some of you, uh, Well, I, I've seen the angry tweets from some of you, I you're upset with me for saying this, it is true. Um, It's not mean, it's just truth. Truth isn't mean, it's truth. And that is that next week we'll be talking about something else. I mean, a lot of the media this afternoon was already trying to pivot from the State of the Union to uh, the, the train collision. Talk about a metaphor in action. Uh, the Republican train wreck hitting a garbage truck uh, on the way to a retreat. Um, apparently one person killed um, e- injuries. Uh, the media would love to move on from the State of the Union address. Now, they're not going to be able to because 80% of Americans liked the speech. 80% of Americans found the speech favorable, found the speech unifying. Meanwhile, the ACLU is out there saying it was divisive because it talked about loving America too much and whatnot. Um, it, it, the left can't help themselves with this speech. But it is true that State of the Union addresses historically don't amount to anything. We spend a few days talking about them. We'll spend the rest of the week, I'm sure going over the the State of the Union and the impact of the State of the Union and the commentary on the State of the Union, the reaction from the left and the right on the State of the Union. But ultimately, it doesn't matter much. And that's just the truth of it. It didn't matter much for Obama. It didn't matter much for Bush. It won't matter much for Trump. And with Trump, unlike the others, he will somehow shift the media landscape to something else. Remember, uh, he addressed Congress last year, a joint address. It wasn't technically a State of the Union address, uh, but he did. And it received a lot of favorable, ratings. The overnight polling was very good on the speech, a uh, bipartisan transcendence, people saying he acted very presidential. And within a few days, he was accusing Barack Obama of having willfully bugged uh, Trump Trump Tower, which may be true. We don't know. But at the time, uh, the media pivoted, got away from the State of the Union address and said, oh, that's, that's not the normal pattern here. This is the normal pattern. And the whole conversation was changed, and it's just he will change the conversation. Whether he does or not, though, just please understand this. This is not a partisan point, not a mean point. It was a wonderful speech. It was a good speech. There is something wrong with you and your level of partisanship if you cannot acknowledge it was a very good, well-crafted speech. And if the president did that every day, his ratings would probably be consistently above 50%. But it doesn't matter. The State of the Union address doesn't matter. What is the last memorable line you can remember? member from a State of the Union address. You probably can't. Axis of Evil, maybe, that was one of them. There have been a few. uh, The era of big government is over, but there haven't been very many. Uh, These speeches tend not to have long-term impact, and the only thing that is certain of the State of the Union Address is that whoever gives the response to the State of the Union Address tends to have a ruined political career, so we will probably be spared a future Kennedy dynasty love affair with the media given his response." All of that said, again, it was a very good speech. It was a very well-crafted speech. The president had uh, Lenny Susnicks in the gallery who could uh, help him weave his policy positions through their personal life stories. The parents who adopted a child from a heroin-addicted mother, the refugee from North Korea who fled, uh, police officers, soldiers. He he wove all of these, the, the families whose daughters were killed by illegal aliens who happened to have been dreamers. All of these things helping weave a big narrative for the president. It was a good, great presidential moment for the president. He was the protagonist last night, and he won the night. He won the night. He won the night in the media, as much as Democrats would prefer not to give him credit. He won the night. The overnight polling among Republicans, Democrats, Independents all show forty-three percent of Democrats like like the speech. Ninety-seven percent of Republicans like the speech, which I actually think is a bigger deal um, because the Republicans are so divided these days with the president. Um, and in Independence, of course, seventy uh, some odd percent of them liked it, according to. And that was CBS. CNN had forty eight percent viewed the poll or viewed the speech rather very favorably. And an overall actual majority of people viewed it favorably or very favorably. So the president had a good night. So I want to take you through some of the key moments of the State of the Union last night. Uh, we have lots of audio from the State of the Union, uh, and I want to begin where many of you don't want to go. Before I get to anything else, uh, so you you should know something about me today. I'm actually in Washington. I'm at the Cox Bureau in Washington, which is actually kind of cool. It's Suite 750. I didn't realize that until today. Yes, um, and so I'm at the Cox Bureau in Washington D.C. Literally, can see the Capitol out of the window. Uh, we're that close. So we're actually in the same building where Fox News is, uh, and Fox is actually two floors below. Uh, where I am, uh, C-SPAN, MSNBC, Fox News, and Cox, uh, all in the same building, all facing the Capitol. And um, there's a lot of buzz up here today about the speech. I was in a private meeting earlier. It was off the record. I can't even tell you who was there or who I was talking to. It was not a conservative meeting. Uh, It was a, a gathering of various people in politics and business that I was asked to speak to at lunch and a lot of buzz about the State of the Union, obviously from last night and Joe Kennedy's response. And I wanna walk you through some of that, but to begin with it, I really do wanna start here. The president announcing his pillars of immigration last night at the State of the Union, here we go.
1: The first pillar of our framework generously offers a path to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants who were brought here by their parents at a young age. That covers almost three times more people than the previous administration covered. Under our plan, those who meet education and work requirements and show good moral character will be able to become full citizens of the United States over a 12-year period.
0: Now, the reason I want to start here is because I, 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 I can't tell you anything about the meeting I went to today, but I can tell you a point that I made at the meeting. Um, and just consider, you can disagree with this. Uh, the phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You, you can disagree with this point, but at least try to understand my point. We know the Democrats want an all-or-nothing immigration strategy. They want full amnesty and citizenship for all the illegal aliens. Now, just so you know, if you're a new listener to the program, I am squishy on this issue, and my position is that individuals who are carried here by their parents as children, the DACA recipients, the so-called dreamers, if they haven't broken the law, if they have a job or they're going to college or they serve in the military, we should be okay giving them citizenship. The president doesn't want to give them all citizenship. He wants to give 1.8 million of them citizenship. That's about half the number or so um, that would technically be eligible. Uh, The president's eligibility requirements uh, apply to a window Barack Obama set, and he slightly extended it. But just consider this for a moment: Democrats want all or nothing. They don't want to just give the Dreamer citizenship. They want to give all of them citizenship, and they want to do it all at the same time. There is a reason for that you need to understand. It is a raw politics reason. It has nothing to do for the Democrats with actual citizenship uh, beliefs. It has to do with raw politics. And if you're going to understand the shape of this debate and what's to come and why you might want to consider going along with the president on $1.8 million Uh, illegal aliens getting citizenship stick around with me y'all just let me interrupt here for a sponsor because this one is actually really cool and i'm really excited about them this is mancrates.com Now, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, You may have a significant other. You may be the significant other and you're thinking, I don't want that crap for Valentine's Day. I I don't want flowers. I don't want chocolate. Uh, Good Lord, I I want something manly for Valentine's Day. Well, ManCrates, either on behalf of your significant other or direct the one who will be buying it for you to ManCrates.com. I mean, you actually get a a physical crate of stuff. You can get NFL barware. You can get the whiskey appreciation crate. You can get the beef jerky heart for, I mean, or the salami bouquet for Valentine's. All sorts of, it even comes with a crowbar, by the way. This is really cool stuff. Thousands of five-star reviews. (laughs) So they sent me uh, custom engraved pint glasses for beer. Or whatever. Mine'll be for beer. But nonetheless, you can put you can put water in them if you want to. No, they're actually really good. Good quality stuff. Really fun gift to get too because it's a great crate. So what you gotta do is you gotta go to mancrates.com, M-A-N-C-R-A-T-E-S dot com slash Eric E-R-I-C-K. Don't forget the C K, and you'll get five percent off. Now, they don't offer a discount anywhere else. But you can get 5% off right now at mancrates.com slash Eric, mancrates.com slash Eric. But, 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 but remember, it's mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Really is awesome. Beer glasses, salami, you name it. Uh, You can get a outdoors gear. It's just awesome selection. Go to mancrates.com slash Eric for 5% off. Check it off now. A great Valentine's Day gift, maybe even for yourself. Eric Erickson here on WSB, ongoing coverage of the State of the Union from last night. I'm live from Washington, D.C., the phone number 404 750 wsb talk Now, to get to my point, if you're just tuning in, uh, of why Republicans might want to, just for political reasons, consider going along with the president on citizenship for 1.8 million dreamers while the Democrats are demanding all or nothing. Uh, Jorge Ramos from Univision saying that they want uh, citizenship for 11 million people, that the Dreamers is just the beginning. Let me take you back to the gay marriage debate. Now, this is going to be, to some of you, a crass point, perhaps an offensive point, um, but it is a point still, nonetheless, that was valid and legitimate. Uh, When I was back at CNN and, and these issues were being discussed, one of the points I made on TV, and it got me a lot of flack from people, but several of the Democrats I was on TV with, uh, and some of the consultants on the issue from the the pro gay marriage side, were behind the scenes and, and were actually willing to publicly defend me on this point, uh, in agreement that it was true. There is an optics issue here, and if you want to persuade Americans who are moving in the direction of supporting gay marriage that they should support it, you should be putting the attractive people out front, not the 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 heavy set. 60-year-old lesbians or the the 50-year-old men in horn-rimmed glasses with pocket protectors. Um, you, you've got to put an attractive face on the issue. You just do. You just do. Uh, had it, and you know, the, to their credit, they, they started moving in that direction, making sure that the faces of gay marriage were sympathetic faces that people could relate to. And part of that was an attractiveness. Whether you like that or not, there's a reality there you have to deal with. In the same way with illegal immigration, the people with the most compelling story for citizenship are the dreamers. The 1.8 million Dreamers the president specifically has targeted are the ones whose parents carried them here as toddlers. They've grown up in this country. They know no other country. There are other people who should qualify for it technically under DACA, but this 1.8 million, these are the most sympathetic ones. If you go on and give them citizenship now, you've taken that pool of vote uh, of a person out of the debate. And the only people who remain in the debate are people whose citizenship claims are dubious, people who willfully came here and refused to leave, some of them who have come back multiple times despite deportation. The fact of the matter is, and the president and his team see this, uh, and I know this because I I had a conversation this morning when I got up to D.C. with uh, one of the people working on this on behalf of the White House. I was making this point to them, and they're already there on this. Uh, This is their thinking already. Is you're not going to have a Republican Congress and a Republican White House forever. Uh, Events change things. Uh, There's no permanent political majority in America. So while you've got Republicans in charge of everything, give this 1.8 million people citizenship and take them off the playing field. So the people who are left on the playing field are viewed by most Americans as undeserving. Remember, uh, 65 percent of Trump voters support DACA for this class of people, uh, kids who are carried over by their parents against their will or or without any say in the matter as toddlers. Um, A majority of Americans as well oppose giving citizenship to a majority of illegal aliens. So by breaking up the group, you've deprived the Democrats of a photo op in a way that they otherwise have and and part of the white house thinking on this is that very issue so just think about that as we work through the rest of the president's pillars when we come back here on WSB Eric Erickson here News 955 AM 750 WSB before i go on i i got to pause for a second cuz i've i've seen the tweets uh, and we've gotten a few phone calls And look, I get it uh, that there are some of you out there who do not want citizenship for anyone uh, in this class of illegal alien. And your argument is that this is law and order and we can't have people violating our laws. We we can't have be rewarding lawbreakers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I understand the arguments. And you have a valid policy position and do not deserve to be called a racist because of it. You are not racist for wanting your laws, the laws of this nation protected. But we're not talking law and order, we're talking politics. And a majority of Americans are okay with giving DACA Dreamers citizenship. 65% of the president's own supporters are. You may not be in that 65%, but the polling has been very consistent on this issue. And you can say the polling is wrong, but the polling's not wrong. And you can point to 16 and, yep, she won the popular vote. Um, the polling isn't wrong here. A majority of Americans do support this. It's not a law and order issue. It's a politics issue. And the polit- political calculation on the table that the White House understands. Uh, and again, I, I'm in Washington. I had this conversation with one of the people leading on this issue this morning. They understand the optics and they understand the issue. This is politics at this moment. Republicans control everything. They have the ability to take a photo op out of the Democrats' hands. Yes, they have the ability to close the border, build a high wall, and not let a single immigrant in. But within the Republican Party, there is real division. And so the president is trying to pull one side up from zero to 1.8 million, and he's trying to pull the other side of the Republican Party down from 3 million to 1.8. And he's trying to get the other side, the other part of the Republican Party that's at 11 million down to 1.8 and get everybody together at 1.8 and tell everyone, look, we can do something here. We can reduce the overall number of immigrants coming into the country. We can seal the border. We can build a high wall but we've got to take this class of 1.8 million DACA recipients off the table to deprive the Democrats of their overall photo op because they really want the mom and dad who willfully broke the law to have citizenship, but they're trotting out the kids saying we're going to break up this family and and this kid deserves citizenship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the White House is trying to get ahead of that argument. They're trying to jump ahead politically uh, and prevent the Democrats from having a talking point because the Republicans also know that come March— DACA goes away and you're going to start having deportations of people who most Americans say should have citizenship. Again, it's not a matter of law and order. It is a matter of politics. And to navigate this and to come to a resolution, we all need to remember that this is politics. What you want done If you're a don't let them all have citizenship, probably isn't an option. So the question is, what's your fallback if deny everybody isn't available because of the political climate in the country? Uh, Find the closest thing to can't give anybody citizenship, and that may be give $1.8 take the photo op away from the Democrats, and then let them say they want this person who came here 30 years ago as a grown-up, knew they were breaking the law... To have citizenship unacceptable, and you have a stronger case than the polling suggests that as well. That's all I'm saying here is just please spare me and my staff the angry tweets and phone calls saying I don't get it or blah blah blah. I'm gone soft or whatever. I'm just trying to explain the politics of you having talked to Trump administration people um, and engaged in a conversation with others today here in Washington, just so you understand that lay of the land and understand their thought process. You can disagree with their thought process. Again, it is a perfectly valid policy decision to say no immigration. It is. And it's not racist. It is just a valid policy argument. It just happens to be one that's in the minority right now. And knowing that a wave is coming, what do you do to mitigate that wave in all cases? It is interesting as an aside on this topic, that the Democrats really do think they can play for all or nothing. See, the Democrats are so convinced that the wave is coming and that they're going to be in power that uh, they don't have to find common ground with the president on this issue, particularly on his other pillars.
1: The second pillar fully secures the border. That means building a great wall on the southern border, and it means hiring more heroes like C.J. to keep our communities safe. Crucially, our plan closes the terrible loopholes exploited by criminals and terrorists to enter our country. And it finally ends the horrible and dangerous practice of catch and release.
0: I got to tell you, I think it was very smart of the president to have two families there whose daughters were killed by gang members. And those gang members happened to be dreamers. That was a powerful message, and I think the president taking on illegal immigration as a criminal thing before going on to the $1.8 million for citizenship was a way to try to tell his base he really is with them, but he thinks he's got to do this for political reasons, um, and the political reasons are the Democrats won all or nothing. and. And they're trying to short circuit that before the Democrats uh, get the House back. For example, if if they do that, although there's some data out there, we got to talk in the next hour. Uh, the president went on to work through the other pillars of his immigration plan. Uh, when we come back, I want to walk through those. Plenty of other sound bites, including those amazing moments where the Democrats absolutely flat out refuse to stand up, despite good news that they would otherwise support. Eric Erickson here, WSB. Let me, before I go on anything else, round out these pillars of immigration from the president last night in the State of the Union.
1: The third pillar ends the visa lottery, a program that randomly hands out green cards without any regard for skill, merit, or the safety of American people. It's time to begin moving toward a merit-based immigration system, one that admits people who are skilled, who want to work, who will contribute to our society, and who will love and respect our country.
0: And then the fourth.
1: The fourth and final pillar protects the nuclear family by ending chain migration. Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. Under our plan, we focus on the immediate family, by limiting sponsorships to spouses and minor children. This vital reform is necessary not just for our economy, but for our security and for the future of America.
0: Okay, and before any conspiracy theorists say we're we're editing out his words and whatnot, we very clearly edited those clips. It was to cut out the applause lines. Uh, This State of the Union address actually had more applause lines than any in, I think, the last 30 years, they said. Also, more tweets about it uh, than in the prior State of the Unions. And it it just, there was a lot of applause. The speech was designed to go about 55 minutes. It wound up going over an hour and a half because of all the applause. And we wanted to cut the applause out, uh, not the president's words. Those are the four pillars, and the Democrats are deeply opposed. You, you could hear the, the grumbling from Democrats there. They were deeply opposed. But the problem last night was that the Democrats seemed to be opposed to everything. No matter how good the news, the Democrats didn't want to clap, including refusing to clap at this news.
1: And something I'm very proud of, African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate
0: ever recorded. Those were Republicans. Those weren't Democrats. Those were Republicans. Uh, Same with this one. And Hispanic
1: American unemployment has also reached the lowest levels in history.
0: They didn't want to applaud with that. They, They didn't want to applaud a child, a teenager, who places flags on the graves of American soldiers. That's what the Democrats didn't want. And that raises a fear for some Democrats The polling, the generic ballot polling has dramatically shifted in Republican favor. When we come back, we need to explore this. What's going on out there? What are we missing? And what could the Democrats do to ruin their own building wave? Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station, Atlanta's evening news here, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Can we just acknowledge out of the gate here in this hour that the optics of the Democratic response were terrible, 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 as I blow out the microphone here, terrible, okay, let, let me just hear the Democrats must have everyone running for president because they felt compelled to have Joseph P. Kennedy, the third heir of the Kennedy dynasty, dynasty, a white ginger male. Not that I have anything wrong with white ginger males, but still in the era of Me Too and Time's Up, They had an heir of a family notoriously filled with rapists, adulterers, and a guy who drove a woman off a bridge to her death give the response to President Trump's State of the Union address. All of the ways that the Democrats see Donald Trump negatively, Joseph P. Kennedy III embodies, and yet they put that guy on the stage to give the response. They not only put him on the stage to give a response, they put a Kennedy in front of a car to give a speech. There's no word on if Mary Jo happened to have been one of the people who drove in that car before. Not good optics for the Democrats, in addition to his lip balm or lip gloss. Uh, malfunction that that has gotten people laughing. Listen, the State of the Union responses are even less memorable than the actual speeches from the presidents. There's not a lot to, to dwell here, but it's it, it dwell on here. It's just interesting to have him go unity, 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 and and the president's divisive blah blah blah, and his whole speech was about dividing people up and whatnot. Um, not a very unifying speech on the Democrats' side. By the way, it didn't pull nearly as well as the president's speech did. You should know that. That's a good thing for the president. And there is a concern embodied in all of this that some Democrats are willing to whisper about. And it is indicative of the number five. Y'all, there were five Democratic responses to the State of the Union last night. Now, in fairness, this trend was started by the Tea Party in 2010. They wanted a Tea Party response to President Obama's State of the Union uh, to separate themselves from the establishment. I believe it was Rand Paul who gave it notoriously looking at a camera different from the, the national media camera. It was in, I think, conjunction with Tea Party Express, if I believe, or Tea Party Patriots, one of the two groups, and he was looking at their live stream camera, while other media covered him and he just he was looking off camera uh, kind of awkwardly nonetheless uh, that started it the media gave it attention that one year they haven't given it much attention since but for the democrats to have five speeches is a pretty good indication of just how divided the democrats are on the issue of how to deal with Donald Trump and the republicans and there is a growing concern among democrats about that ...that we need to discuss, and the president gave us some great sound bites to weave into this discussion. Okay, I want to play a couple of lines from the State of the Union address. Uh, Here's one. So
1: to every citizen watching at home tonight, no matter where you've been or where you've come from, this is your time. If you work hard, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America then you can dream anything. You can be anything. And together, we can achieve absolutely anything. That's clip one. Here's clip two. We want every American to know the dignity of a hard day's work. We want every child to be safe in their home at night. And we want every citizen to be proud of this land that we all love so much. We can lift our citizens from welfare to work, from dependence to independence, and from poverty to prosperity. Some trials over the past year touched this chamber very personally. With us tonight is one of the toughest people ever to serve in this house, a guy who took a bullet, almost died, and was back to work three and a half months later, the legend from Louisiana, Congressman Steve Scalise.
0: Okay, three clips there on top of the two about African-American and Hispanic employment. Th- those were all platitudinal statements. They-, they were platitudes. They were not controversial. And you couldn't get the Democrats to applaud at any of them. He gave the tragic story of the two girls murdered by the gang. And the Democrats wouldn't clap for those families who have to be minority families. He gave the story of the man who fled North Korea and the Democrats wouldn't clap for him. And then he gave this. Those were all platitudes, stories, setting other policies. Then there was this policy. America is a nation of builders. We built the
1: Empire State Building in just one year. Isn't it a disgrace that it can now take 10 years just to get... A MINOR PERMIT APPROVED FOR THE BUILDING OF A SIMPLE ROAD. I AM ASKING BOTH PARTIES TO COME TOGETHER TO GIVE US SAFE, FAST, RELIABLE, AND MODERN INFRASTRUCTURE THAT OUR ECONOMY NEEDS AND OUR PEOPLE DESERVE. TONIGHT I'M CALLING ON CONGRESS TO PRODUCE A BILL THAT GENERATES AT LEAST 1.5 TRILLION DOLLARS FOR THE NEW INFRASTRUCTURE INVESTMENT THAT OUR COUNTRY SO DESPERATELY NEEDS. $1.5
0: trillion spending on infrastructure. Now, not all of it would be public, uh, but a good bit of it was. uh, More than $500 billion of it would be public spending spread out over 10 years. Hillary Clinton proposed a $500 billion infrastructure plan and Democrats loved it. They could not bring themselves to cheer on a trillion, $1.5 trillion infrastructure spending plan proposed by Donald Trump solely for the mere reason that it was Donald Trump proposing it. So this, this brings up an issue that Democratic consultants are privately fretting about. And in their mind, They're saying to themselves, what if we go tea party? And they don't mean that as a good thing. They mean that as you start having fractious democratic primaries where the people they view as fringe, uh, you and I would view as fringe, the far left wackadoos start getting picked in these primaries and the American public is turned off because there is a real trend. Say what you will, Doug Jones, the woman who won in Wisconsin and a few others who have won Republican leaning seats. uh, You can call them anomalous special circumstances. I agree with Doug Jones, but all of them figured a way to run would be on civility, and the Democrats in Virginia as well latched onto that. That that they would play jujitsu with President Trump's anger and what they perceive as his negativity, and they would run nice, lovey-dovey races. If we're going to be nice, we're going to be civil. We're not going to we're not going to take the jobs. We're not going to throw the mud. And people tended to like it. What if the Democrats go wackadoo nuts? And when they're already out there trying to win fights by saying you're a racist, I, I win the I win the argument. You're a racist. You bigot. That's it, game over, I win. And that just pisses people off to be frank with you. When they don't want to, I mean, take for example, the immigration issue. There are valid legitimate reasons for lowering immigration. There are valid legitimate reasons for building a very high wall along the border. There are valid legitimate reasons for curtailing immigration. There are valid legitimate reasons for wanting to deport all of the illegal aliens, including the DACA group. There are valid legitimate reasons that have nothing to do with race, racism, or bigotry. And yet that's the only way Democrats can process it. And I don't know that people can win an election when they're out there calling voters bigots from the left. A brief word on a new sponsor that I'm really excited about for the podcast, mancrates.com. Valentine's Day is coming up. You may want to get yourself something. You may need to get something for someone and you're not sure what to get them. Or you may be tired of the same crummy gifts every year and you want something really awesome. So redirect your significant other to mancrates.com. This isn't like the cheesy cologne sampler or whatnot. ManCrate's. is has curated gift collections for every type of guy, whether it's sports or chef or outdoorsman. You can get the NFL barware crate. You can get the whiskey appreciation crate, or you can get the standard Valentine's gifts, but kicked up several notches, the beef jerky heart or the salami bouquet. All you got to do is go to mancrates.com, and they've got a huge selection of things. I actually got uh, custom pint glasses with my name on them for my bar. I have a great bar, bourbon and collection and beer on tap. And these will go great chilled glasses for my beer. The crates even come with a crowbar. It's pretty cool. Thousands of five-star reviews. So what do you do? Go to mancrates.com slash Eric for 5% off. And remember, it's E-R-I-C-K, mancrates.com slash Eric. They don't offer a discount anywhere else though. So you do have to go right now to mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K mancrates.com slash eric and you too can get the perfect gift for yourself for someone else or tell someone else to go to mancrates.com slash eric for your valentine's day gift okay i just i have to play this audio it's eric herrickson here on wsb i gotta play this audio i'm just gonna throw it out there for you to listen to from the state of the union address in
1: 1996 sung ho was a starving boy in north korea One day, he tried to steal coal from a railroad car to barter for a few scraps of food, which were very hard to get. In the process, he passed out on the train tracks, exhausted from hunger. He woke up as a train ran over his limbs. He then endured multiple amputations without anything to dull the pain or the hurt His brother and sister gave what little food they had to help him recover and ate dirt themselves, permanently stunting their own growth. Later he was tortured by North Korean authorities after returning from a brief visit to China. His tormentors wanted to know if he'd met any Christians. He had. And he resolved, after that, to be free. Song Ho traveled thousands of miles on crutches all across China and Southeast Asia to freedom. Most of his family followed. His father was caught trying to escape and was tortured to death. Today, he lives in Seoul, where he rescues other defectors and broadcasts into north korea what the regime fears most the truth today he has a new leg but sung ho i understand you still keep those old crutches as a reminder of how far you've come your great sacrifice is an inspiration to us all
0: your I've seen States of the Union going back a very long time, not as long as I'm only 42, but for decades I've been watching these things. I've seen Reagan's, George H.W. Bush's, Clinton's, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and now Donald Trump. Not since the fall of the Soviet Union has a president of the United States been willing to put a victim of real tyranny there in the box near the First Lady and tell his story. There are Democrats on TV right now claiming that uh, Kim Jong-un is, Kim Jong-un is more stable and rational than Donald Trump. You got people beyond Dennis Rodman, although the left is denying it, who believe that North Korea is a more stable place. They believe Donald Trump has a real authoritarian, totalitarian bit to him that's going to ruin this country. There's an example of someone who survived a real totalitarian regime. And it was extremely commendable of the president to tell his story, to show the world what the North Koreans are really like. All righty, the last half hour of the show, then I got to race to the airport and catch a plane to fly home from Washington. Uh, You know, it's very interesting the way the congressional calendar works and the resources, 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 when I was landing in Washington this morning, uh, there were several senators and members of Congress leaving to get on flights to go home. They didn't have a, a heavy work day after the State of the Union. They tend to take a couple of weeks off. Um, and so they were all departing the building as I was coming in and got to talk to a couple of them. So now I want to play. Well, so I got Charlie to get a bunch of sound bites from the State of the Union. And in the last half hour, let me just play some of these sound bites and. Comment on them because it really describes the positive message of this president's administration and where he wants to head that is getting not focused on because of all the other stories from the FBI to, to whatnot.
1: For the last year, we have sought to restore the bonds of trust between our citizens and their government. Working with the Senate, we are appointing judges who will interpret the Constitution as written. Including a great new Supreme Court justice and more circuit court judges than any new administration in the history of our country. We are totally defending our Second Amendment and have taken historic actions to protect religious liberty.
0: Yes. Yes to all of that, and good for him to highlight it. And the question is going to be that I have on this is, will his base remember and come out and support him in November, even though he's not on the ballot?
1: And I will not stop until our veterans are properly taken care of, which has been my promise to them from the very beginning of this great journey. We have ended the war on American energy, and we have ended the war on beautiful, clean coal. We are now very proudly an exporter of energy to the world.
0: One more before I comment.
1: One of my greatest priorities is to reduce the price of prescription drugs. In many other countries, these drugs cost far less than what we pay in the United States, and it's very, very unfair. That is why I've directed my administration to make fixing the injustice of high drug prices one of my top priorities for the year. And prices will come down substantially. Watch.
0: I'm kind of surprised you said watch instead of believe me. But uh, So these three clips, let, let me just take these. One on veterans, one on... The war on coal and energy and one on prescription drugs, they're all targeted to key blocks, key blocks that have been wavering a little bit in in polling. His popularity among all three groups, uh, coal country miners, senior citizens and veterans has all dipped. And he wants to to get those to rebound. So so here he is reminding people, and, and before even getting into the veterans bit, the the guns and religion bit, the the bitter clinger stuff, as as the Obamites would call it, uh, really catering his State of the Union message to core constituency groups. But the polling last night showed overwhelming support for his speech among all Americans, including across party lines. So he's really trying to get people to focus on the stuff, give them an excuse to show up and defend him in November. And that also goes to his um, military and immigration bits. couple more pieces, including this one.
1: Last year, I also pledged that we would work with our allies to extinguish ISIS from the face of the earth. One year later, I am proud to report that the coalition to defeat ISIS has liberated very close to 100% of the territory just recently held by these killers in Iraq and in Syria and in other locations as well. But there is much more work to be done. We will continue our fight until ISIS is defeated.
0: Now, I know the media and the left don't want to give him a lot of credit for this, but he has virtually wiped out ISIS. He's taken back through his policies... Uh, 98% of the territory ISIS had captured. Um, Now, yes, it is true, it is fair, Barack Obama began that trend, but come on, folks, this happened on his watch under his orders with a stepped-up aggressive posture of the military abroad, something he actually said he wasn't going to do to a degree, he wasn't going to be that aggressive with the military, and yet he has pledged to defeat ISIS and wipe them out. Uh, I don't know, I can't remember a State of the Union where a president pledged to annihilate someone or something, and that's what he's doing here. To his credit, all right. One last clip before we go to go to Bortz. Um, this one made a lot of news as the president was headed to Capitol Hill last night. The, his administration waited until the president was leaving the White House to announce this. And man, you should have seen the blackberries and iPhones across Washington light up with this news. TERRORISTS
1: WHO DO THINGS LIKE PLACE BOMBS IN CIVILIAN HOSPITALS ARE EVIL. WHEN POSSIBLE, WE HAVE NO CHOICE BUT TO ANNIHILATE THEM. WHEN NECESSARY, WE MUST BE ABLE TO DETAIN AND QUESTION THEM. BUT WE MUST BE CLEAR, TERRORISTS ARE NOT MERELY CRIMINALS. THEY ARE UNLAWFUL enemy combatants. And when captured overseas, they should be treated like the terrorists they are. In the past, we have foolishly released hundreds and hundreds of dangerous territories, only to meet them again on the battlefield, including the ISIS leader, al-Baghdadi, Al, who we captured, who we had, Big who ow. we released. So today I'm keeping another promise I just signed, prior to walking in, an order directing Secretary Mattis to re-examine our military detention policy and to keep open the detention facilities in Guantanamo Bay.
0: Yet another Obama policy done by executive order. On the ash heap of history, I wonder what federal judge will overrule him temporarily until the Supreme Court says he has the power to do it. Nonetheless, uh, he did that before he walked in, made huge, huge news. Democrats visibly upset about it as the president was heading to Capitol Hill. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be interviewing Brian Kemp, uh, the Secretary of State, running for governor of Georgia. I'm going to be interviewing him live from 8 to 9 on the radio. Um, Those of you who signed up to come to the event, it's too late now to sign up. Those of you who signed up to come to the event, uh, be sure to bring your ticket. You've got to be on the list to come. Uh, You won't be admitted if you're not on the list, uh, which is already filled up. Uh, for security reasons and whatnot, if you want to come to one, though, uh, we still have room at Clay Tippins. He's the Navy SEAL running for governor. We've got room at his event. You can text WSB to three four five three four five. Uh, To be able to get into that one, uh, we'll be interviewing as well, Hunter Hill, Michael Williams, and Casey Cagle. Uh, But tomorrow night, 8 to 9, Brian Kemp uh, interviewing him. I'm sorry I didn't get to your phone calls tonight. We had so much audio that I wanted to get through on the State of the Union tomorrow night. Uh, And we also did the call-in show last night. So I'll spend more time with you guys taking your calls tomorrow night here on WSB as we process the State of the Union. Before I get out of here, though, I want to leave you with one more bit from last night's State of the Union that the Democrats wouldn't clap to. In April, this will
1: be the last time you will ever file under the old and very broken system, and millions of Americans will have more take-home pay starting next month, a lot more.
0: Good news for Americans, maybe good news for the president. The generic ballot, Democrats have cratered, now only three points ahead, if that's the truth. I mean, there's a lot of news cycles between now and November, but they wouldn't capture the House. They may not capture the Senate, even if it goes back up to six or seven. Uh, But the tax reform is going to help the Republicans mitigate some of the tide. See you all tomorrow.